Welcome to the Total Oxidation Podcast. My name is Edwin. I am your host here with Mr. Tom Porter. Today, we have decided to do a little bit of a different episode for you. We're going to tie in some pieces that are still playing a big role and a big factor in Tom's life. And we're also going to tie in some things that he's not quite sure what that is yet, but you will hear a little bit. Sounds like to me, this is going to be quite a journey in it, itself. It is. I'm super excited about this episode. Oh, so my. we're going to we're going to take this back to episode two. So in episode two, uh, we had talked about some of the key characters that have influenced you and are still changing kind of the way that you uh, make decisions up to today. And okay, the, which character are you selecting okay. out of this journey? This will be interesting. So I want to go back to Frankie Avalon. <laughs> I want to okay. go back to um, Annette. No, it was just Frankie. It was what the was movie. It? it was just no. Frankie Avalon. What about the Beach Boys? Beach Boys and and Annette were just part of that culture. Okay. Frankie Avalon, what I, what you probably heard me say is that I have realized how subtle experiences can embed so deeply into a brain that it can actually be driving your journey without you knowing it. Because I went in 1965, I went to my hometown movie theater. In June, I had just been to J.C. Penney's and bought my bathing suit, so I was ready for summer. It's I'm 13 years old, and I'm having. I, I love summer. Uh, that, see, I'm an oxidizing man. Yeah. I love, uh, that's the problem. Is I have to learn tolerance. Continue to learn tolerance of oxidizing, uh, just managing all of that oxidation. For so sure. what happened was, I started watching this movie and I actually identified with the lifestyle. I felt like I fit into that and I sort of transposed Frankie Avalon's character who, keep in mind, he was still young. He didn't have a job. If he did, I don't even know what it was. He was just on the beach all the time. He was 20s at that point. Early that, 20s yeah. and probably, you know, he, he became a singer, which is interesting in itself. But it was the Malibu lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I did not realize the influence that that movie, that character, because when he walked out on the screen, he had the same, exact same bathing suit that I had just bought at that J.C. Penney's. What? And that's when I decided this is my story. And so as far as I'm concerned, that character became older and started a cosmetic beauty company and influenced the world with... Uh, a total oxidation management approach. So in a way, any, you know, it was Malibu. And to be honest with you, I think Frankie Avalon still lives in Malibu yeah. because I saw him at dinner at the Malibu beach Inn with he and his wife, my wife and I were there. Didn't say a thing, but it was a bit surreal at oh that gosh. moment to realize. And, and the man looks great. Yeah. Man looks awesome. I research, I did some research and uh, actually looked at some of the footage and some of the images from those movies in the back. Did you see the bathing suit? I did. Short, <laughs> short. No. Well, it was about here. for those days, yeah. for those days, we didn't have board shorts. Got it was it. actually Got long it. for those days. Because back then it was like short shorts. So it was Could about, be, yeah. I would say right above, right above yeah. the, the knee. It yeah. had a white stripe on the side, correct? It was white on the top, white on the bottom, tie, and navy blue yep. in between. Yep. Similar picture I saw were black and white. Of, so that would that be the too. suit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I that's interesting that. that you explored that yeah. and remembered. So that's all. It's that simple. 
and maybe that's just how trivial I am. Yeah. That amazing how, uh, but it, if I had realized that was my journey, maybe I'd have gotten there faster. But keep in mind, my journey took me. To, I couldn't. I couldn't get to there uh, easily. That's yeah. you know. So it was. A, it's been a journey. Yeah. So Frank Yellen, if you're watching this, thank you for influencing Tom to create all this up to this point. Thank you, Edwin. Right, right. So now that we kind of talked about it and clarified, because I really want to revisit that, I have my second question. I'm actually going to be, I prepared some questions. We usually talk and we make this very organic, but the more that I thought about our next interview, the more that I realized there are some key things that we really haven't gotten to yet. Okay. What is that? And... Yesterday came, it became very clear. I was here, we're in the Malibu Sea headquarters. If you can see this, actually the beautiful academy. Uh, I was talking to the team and I realized that a huge part of this and this awesome project that we've been working on is also for, for the team and for the people that are going to be part of the team in the future as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why I created the list of questions that, that I have. And I'm going to pull them up really quickly. And I want to take them one by one. And I want to get your answer on these. This is questions that we're going to utilize for the future, for the present. And it, it, it will be a little bit of a glimpse of the past, your perspective on things, which will help us, the viewers, that will help the Malibu teams make decisions and, and remember all this great company and, and your journey and your heritage that we've created to this point. <laughs> yeah. so, okay, so let's, so what is the that, first question? So the first question. This is quite the uh challenge so we have been this is our fifth episode we've talked in the first couple episodes about your journey up until this point and you've mentioned a lot of different hard points that we've came through right and that you've, that you've surpassed and a lot of just painful things that you've gone through well i hope i didn't dwell on that no, no no not at all so what would you consider in the malabusi history if you had to pinpoint one moment that you consider the the lowest moment of your career, the, the darkest moment of Malibu. Oh. What would you consider that to be? What's, what comes to your first, the first thought that comes to your mind and how did you overcome that? So. Okay. Um, that was a pretty heavy question. It's a heavy question. Heavy question. It's been a long journey. Uh, Three, four years. Been through windshields, had fires. <laughs> I've, I've had some tragedies through yeah. this. If yes, you're you asking for a low point. Yeah. I would say that the low point occurred in the spring of 2005. Okay. And at that time, uh, I was the CEO of the company. Mm. I had um, hired and aligned with a man who was in the industry that I had a lot of respect for. And... He became the president of the company back in 2001 and shareholder and participant. And that followed the death of Dr. Alt. So what happened was that during the period in that four years, my relationship with the company that the chemist had set up who was making the products for us at the time in the same location where we are today. Um, <clears throat> the family and I 
I, I, I seem as a customer of theirs, it, we, the engagement was becoming less and less frequent and I could not get that relationship that I needed to keep R&D and to keep so many of the important aspects of developing a whole technology right. for the world. And so he was a very good communicator and was someone that I felt could bridge that and help. Uh, at the same time, we had an accounting uh, manager who was very controlling and and she decided that she was leaving the company in 2005, announced to me that she couldn't work with this person any longer and she was stopping. Okay. So I hired a gentleman to come in and just look at our books to understand where we are and what kind of person do we really need in that next level. So this president of the company and myself, you know, interviewed and he found him and this guy was excellent. And so I was coming back. Remember, I was commuting then uh, still as I am today from Malibu and came back here and had a meeting with the gentleman that was reviewing our books. He had asked for a meeting of the two of us, really the three of us. And he proceeded to tell us that we had a loss of just under a million dollars in the company. Wow. And he recommended bankruptcy. I didn't know that. So you faced bankruptcy, like you looked at it in the face. He actually like, wow. told me that's what we should do. I did not know that. Yeah. So you could have lost everything. You could have lost a company. Would have gone belly up. Whatever that meant, but I didn't really entertain it. Um, unfortunately, right before that, I received, literally within a month before that, I had received a call from this president who um, told me that doc, the Dr. Alt's company By had court. closed. The bank had closed it. They closed Vitaclor at that point. They, which was no longer Vitaclor. It was another name. Okay. But the bank announced that they were closing the doors. So I lost my supplier. So I lost all of my connection to manufacturing at the same, within the exact same four weeks that I had that adjustment on the books. And then what was interesting is the day after I received that announcement <clears throat> from this third party accounting expert, I asked the president of the company, uh, we got that, had that meeting on Tuesday, and this was Wednesday morning, and I had a list of things I wanted to ask the next morning. Yeah. And I went into that meeting and said, well, I'm interested in what you're thinking. And the response was, I think it's time for me to retire. And I he said, well, when do you think you should retire? And he said, Friday. So all of a sudden, I'm also left with all the responsibility. So no president. Me. Do so you, now. Now you are everything. Back to it and have to make decisions. Are we going to make it ourselves? We know how. Been formulating forever. Been working with the company, but haven't actually been executing that aspect. We've been educating 
and they make it. It's our brand, our formulas, our discoveries, technologies with them, with R&D. I mean, Dr. Alt was amazing. Right. Uh, and Dalip, who worked with Dr. Alt, who is still part of our team. Here we are 35 years, going into our 35th year, and yeah, Dalip July. has been part of this journey the whole time. So it's it hasn't been a solo journey. He was with that company and then you know, became part of, and actually he's the one. So that was the lowest point. Um, and it was years later that we ended up coming back into the facility where all of it was made uh, when he had a dream. Yeah. Had a dream. And that yep. dream was that Dr. Alt said, this is where we should be. And we were then open to the idea. And this campus yep. has become a real campus a team of individuals that are striving for common goals and all happened from that dark moment wow. that was dark so taking it a flip from that, that's crazy how you were able to kind of turn that around to what do you consider in the life of malibu i mean this long journey going 35 years in july yeah what do you consider would be like the highest moment the, the highest most pivotal moment of malibu sea history what do you think that would be I don't think we're there yet. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> Which is consider you're global. You are, I mean, you research anything with Malibu and the things it has accomplished. <laughs> and you, the fact that you still think you're not there, that's crazy. Oh, good. So if you had to pick one, you can't even pick one. I would say that the point that we turned, I guess, the day, the next day, that next week. You would consider? Would have to be the first day of what became the most important big change yeah. in the history of the company. So with, you know, I'm a firm believer that the higher the high, the lower the lows. And peaks and valleys. Life, and, and so, you know, right now, for example, I can feel that I am at a getting to a very high point, but I follow a very low point with the tragedy, the loss of, the you know, house, and the fire, yeah, fire. And house and everything, but uh, that's the fun ride. Yeah, so, so here's, here's what's interesting. I had, you don't seem to, like, stop amazing me. I thought you were going to answer actually went back and forth. I was talking to my wife, my wife about the question. And I said, I bet you that he's going to say Annie Humphrey. I said, I think that's probably the, the most pivotal moment of Malibu's career. Hmm. Because my understanding was from, from you and I talking was that that's what helped take Malibu's global. For those of you who don't know, Annie Humphrey was a huge part of it also soon. Uh, she was an owner? Yeah. She, oh, was, she was an owner. She, she was, was one, one of owner. three owners. So share with our viewers the story of how she played such an influential part with Malibu C. Because I think that's <laughs> So great. funny that you would bring her up. Uh, she's been on my mind this week. I don't know why. Um, it's crazy. Uh, but Annie was not just the queen of color and color education. Yeah. And she absolutely dominated the uh, world of color trends, color technique, 
for uh, the industry and representing uh, Wella and was amazing. Yeah. And so at the same time, she was an owner of Vidal Sassoon and took her business very seriously. Early in the 90s, I don't know exactly what year, but early 90s, 1990s, I sponsored and presented to the International Chain Association our technology. I was up there talking technology to a group of owners of chains that are strictly corporate business people. They don't know a developer from a neutralizer. And this is chains of salons. Chains of salons. This is the salon industry. Okay. And these are, this is early. These are, um, you know, the JCPenney, Regis, um, but they're mostly business executives. And I'm sitting here explaining to them why their salons need to understand total oxidation management, why it's important uh, to know the relationship between the water by every client, uh, how to address that, how to educate. There was one person in that huge audience and she was a short blonde woman with bangs and glasses. And she came up afterwards and I don't know what word she said, but what I heard was, I understand. She got it. She got it. It made sense. And what she did, she was very subtle though. Annie had no real platform because she was working for Wella. She couldn't talk about our products. Mm. She could only talk about our products on a one-on-one. Okay. So we were her secret. And my understanding is, and you can verify if I'm correct on this, but I love this story that Mary with BTC, who owns and has really influenced this industry in some positive ways, along with one of her associates, went over and interviewed Annie Humphreys in the UK. And if I heard the story correctly, um, and it may be the first time that Mary even acknowledged or recognized that Malibu C might be a player in the industry because uh, I think she asked, so Annie, if you had your choice of any one product on a desert island, what would it be? And her answer was Malibu C crystal gel treatment. And I, I found that, uh, you know, quite it's the compliment. Yeah. And I, I fortunately was in uh, Britain just oh, about four years ago, had the opportunity to go to lunch. There were two magazines in the UK that wanted to interview Annie. Annie gets it. She understands total oxidation management, and she saw so much difference in her color her performance and it's she's as passionate as I am. Yeah. And she's still the queen of color, but mm-hmm. she's no longer active. She's enjoying her life, but we are proud to have Annie Humphreys as someone who uh, respected and used Malibu C because she got it. Yeah. So Annie Humphrey, if you're watching this, also thank you to you mm-hmm. and helping build this unbelievable company. So very grateful for that. So that's a heck of a story. I mean, she's basically, I mean, she's Sassoon. She's a of, of the hair industry. She's one of the biggest players 
ever. And I hope that she continues to be relevant because yes. I'm learning from in just in conversations in the last few days, some of our other uh, icons in this industry who have uh, already passed on, I'm finding that people don't even know who uh, Jerry Redding, yes, I, I, you know, a man who was one of the most important uh, catalysts in this industry, and I'm finding that there's uh, his name is not being mentioned anywhere in the education, mm -hmm. and that is so sad. But when you say the word Jerry Curl, when you say the word Red Ken, mm -hmm. when you say Nexus. That's Jerry Redding. Yeah. And it's just amazing to me yeah. how easy and how fast. Hero. But how fast we can lose our heroes. Yeah. And, and that's okay as long as we have enough heroes that we can model after. 100%. But it is sad that so many of those stories that really influenced others are passed on. Yeah. Fortunately, Vidal is still, you know, he branded uh, the, the locations. Yes. And that really has helped sustain his legacy. Yeah, right, which is an amazing legacy as well. Yes, it is. So uh, one of the biggest things I mentioned a couple minutes ago it was that one, we're wearing blazers, we're looking spiffy. <laughs> and we wanted, especially me, like I want to take a little bit of a different direction with this, uh, with this interview. Uh, yesterday, I was talking to the team about the direction of where we're going to you know, take some things. And I had a team member when we were talking about these interviews um, actually get a little choked up about it. Hmm. I had two of them actually get a little emotional when we were uh, actually saying, you know, this is like part of your legacy. We're talking about your legacy and what's how you build all this and how this is going to be so important for the future of Malibu and, and, Malibu employees 50 years from now, you know, when the company still stands. So I wanted two messages from you today. Okay. So we're speaking to you directly. Today. And I'm going how many years into the future? Yeah. Okay. Years so, into so, the future. So, so we're going to go to the present first. Okay. I want, um, if you had to give advice or give a message to the team right now, I mean, you, you have an unbelievable team. You have uh, the doctor that's been for 34 years. I mean, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, the leap is amazing. We have a great team. I mean, unbelievable. Malibu C is the people. It is the, it's the technology first mm -hmm. and the people who are making it available yep. to the world and helping educate the world as to what it is. Yeah. And when you, when you think of the foundation, you know, like Malibu C, like you started all this and, and going back to the other episodes, you know, I was listening to them you know, over the past couple of days and hearing you talk about being by yourself in shows, picking <laughs> up things, cleaning things by yourself, like going and doing door-to-door -door sales, Deb changing her voice, like all the things that you've had to do and encounter. And now having this unbelievable team of people that love and respect you guys. Ah, well, thank you for that. I don't know. Oh, I, sure. I, I do for a fact, well, you know, thank you. especially when you're talking about that and you see them get teary eyed well, like thank that. You. When we're talking, you know, 10 years in the future. Or Did you tell him I'm dying? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, but in a way we all are, you know, but. You're right. But I'm closer than most. Going back to if that. Especially on our team. If you guys. I'm the closest. Most likely. 
No one can tell that. And energy cannot be That's created right. or destroyed. Oh, well, energy continues to cease. But I'm talking about within this vessel. Within the body. You know within this vessel. And keep in mind, that's much of my discovery, is I was so focused for so many years on the energy mm -hmm. and the spirituality. But I read a book, uh, The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James, okay. that shifted my life. And what's strange is, once I realized that the search was so common by us all, and we try in so many different ways to find it. Yeah. I started getting peace with that and started focusing more on the vessel that I'm traveling in. Yeah. And that's where total oxidation management comes from. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, no, it, it's, it's super cool. So that changed my perspective yesterday. And it okay. made me really realize we have to make sure that on our sessions and on this podcast and on this videos for you, that we take a second and acknowledge them because they're just as big of a part as you are, oh. as, of, of you as, as they are. You know, it's almost like a living body. Yeah, you fit in the head, but they're a huge part of that. And then thinking of the future, I want people that join this company 20 years from now to be able to look at this and see your unbelievable history and get a message directly from you. Mm. That's immortality right there. Think about that. Oh, well, yeah. in a way. Eh, you this, know, I appreciate that. And I that. hope, yeah, I hope that uh, total oxidation management. Yeah. And that's really looking at the team. Are you wanting me to share a message so, now so, and then? I'm not so, sure what so you're let's asking see, let's, me. I, if you had to give your current team right now either advice or message, a message from you, mm -hmm. what would that be? What would that message be? We'll start with that and then we'll go to the future here in a second. What would be your message? Well, I think the message that the team does hear from me more and more is that they are now part owners of this company. That's amazing right there. Deb and I chose an exit plan that included a movement to allow the employees to actually have a stock ownership. It's an employee stock ownership plan that the U.S. government makes available, and it's brilliant. And I think what my message is, is it's always for 30 something years been, it's our team, guys. We're all in this together. There were no dividends. I never took a, Deb and I, neither one ever took anything out of the company yeah. except a salary and any compensation that was appropriate, just like the other employees. So we have always treated ourselves employees, but we knew we were the owners ultimately at the end of the day, along with some other shareholders that helped us along very early after we started hitting some opportunities. And then we hit a challenge that we needed some additional money. And that's when the Cook uh, relationship Bill Cook. got even more involved yeah. in helping finance that challenge to get past at one time that was probably three four years into the company mm -hmm. so what i would tell what i do tell our team today is daily helping all of us together realize what it feels like and looks like when you really do own the company yeah that when the employees are really the decision makers and that they have to raise their standards as to who becomes part of this company because, first of all, we're, we happen to be here in 
uh, the fall of 2019 when the economy uh, in the U.S. is excellent. And so the labor market is very, very difficult right now. As I often say, we're sort of at the bottom of the barrel because people have jobs. They have jobs out there. And those that don't are choosing not to. They are doing what they're doing. So to find the right team members is very important. And we are growing and growing pretty rapidly. And that's also, we have to be very deliberate in our growth. And that's one thing that we have rehearsed for years is the role of the change agent in the organization. Each person is trained when they come into the company to understand uh, my perspective of the different uh, components of an organization. Yeah. And if we're going to do change, we got to do it deliberately. So that's probably the message today. Yeah. That no, I, great. Yeah, I focus on. That's great. So accountability part. And I, I actually, after you answer the next question, I want to go back to the change engine because okay. that's one piece that we've touched on a little bit through the other episodes, mm-hmm. but it's so important. It changed my life. I actually mentioned in one of the episodes how it changed the total direction of how I do things. And I want to go in depth with that because okay. that's really going to help people. Sure, that's going to absolutely. really help you, the ones watching this and that are going in your own journey. So the second question after that is uh-huh. if you had to send a message to future employees, future team members, future Malibu C family members, even if it's it's people that are just consuming the product, mm-hmm. you know, they bought into oxidation management, they bought into you, they bought into everything you built. Right. What would that message be? Just because we can make it doesn't mean we should make it. Okay. Uh, we have become experts at formulations. We feel very confident in our knowledge and experience in using wellness ingredients, well thought out, um, within regulatory requirements. FDA, we OSHA, we we have a lot of uh, structure that now sort of guides manufacturing. Twenty years ago, there was so little regulatory. Yeah, uh, I am not sorry the regulatory exists. I think it was necessary. I think that the beauty industry. There's been a lot of myths, a lot of lies a lot of marketing that has been going on in the beauty industry. And I feel that we have countered, we are a different approach. We're about solving problems and not hype. We're about science and technology. So, you know, I feel like, uh, and I'll have to say in that regard, in the future, I think one of the best things that did happen to us besides, you know, as I told you earlier, you asked what, you know, what are some of the best things? Probably the internet was the best thing. Uh, to happen to us in my lifetime. It's crazy to think that you, when you started the operation, there was no internet. There was no internet. None. That's crazy to think about. None. Wow. And there were no, um, there were very few compu- big computers. We were working with big computers and the fax machine became a new reality right around the time we started the company. Wow. That's <laughs> mind blowing. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Now I can go to my phone, Malibu C app, 
right, right then and there. The you world can... is so much faster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And thank goodness we operate with the knowledge that change is going to be part. Yeah. And we have a model for it. I think that's probably one reason we survived all this. Yeah. There's been so much change. Oh yeah. But we're still the same company. And that would be the message to the future is stay true to the message. Yes. That's it's a consistent message of every product complements and supports using either the same technology or supplemental technology to the ascorbic acid form of vitamin C. Yeah. And that's the Malibu C having been that very first vitamin C used externally mm -hmm. and manufactured those products. And we still are the story, Yeah, but we, um, we're not the marketing hype No, So we, and we don't do a very good job of bringing attention to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not loud. We don't yeah. scream. Um, we need to be louder. Yes. We need to understand how to scream. But fortunately for the internet, the internet is looking uh, for solutions. Yeah. People are searching and they need to know, I think you're the one who said this to me and I've been quoting you is the why. The why. Yes. What is your why? Absolutely. What is your why? Yeah. And you said to me, Tom, uh, we understand your why. And yeah. when you said that, it helped me more clearly understand, fortunately, a new perspective because Unfortunately, my generation and some generations following me didn't ask why. No, not at all. They That's... were brand loyal. If they were told something, they believed it. Very gullible. And they really didn't have the resources to go ask the questions. Right. Well, now the internet provides that. Unfortunately, still a lot of the older generation still doesn't go and ask the questions. They right. still don't. They still believe it because. Right. It's the way it's always done. It's the way it's always been. Yeah. But your generation, you and others, yeah. and, and there were people, obviously, in the older generation that were as uh, enthusiastic to learn, but th it's more about the majority. Yeah. I'm finding the majority of the young people want to know the why. Yeah. And that's exciting to me. And the why is so important. Even when... You broke down. If you guys see this beautiful color of, of Malibu Sea, um, I didn't understand why that color even was the option. Like, if you think about it, you could have gone with so many things. When you look at ascorbic acid, it's white, it's white crystals, right? So it looks white. So, in my mind, I'm like, the technology's base and, and basically the foundation is ascorbic acid. Why is the logo not white? And then when you explain and then getting to talk to you and understanding your background, at the end of the day, all this became because of your love of water and how everything kind of combined. And now knowing that this is actually Mallet Blue. It's Mallet Blue. Mallet Blue. It's because Actually, Deb came upon and sort of discovered the color and the PMS assortment. Yeah, It had just become a new color because if it wasn't a PMS color, we couldn't call it out and use it in marketing. It's exactly what she was visualizing mm -hmm. and then found it and the timing was perfect. And I do love the concept of yeah. the Malibu. No, and, and it goes in, in line with what we're solving. The technology is huge, but the, 
technology fights against all the stuff that's in the water. At the end of yeah. the day, it goes all back to water. You know what I mean? Well, it goes back to oxygen. Or oxidation, yes. And water, the H2O, yes. the oxygen aspect, what we have learned is when water dries on anything, it's oxygen on top of the air, which yes. is 23% oxygen, right. and it speeds up the oxidation of anything. So anything that you can put in the desert, something that, where it doesn't rain, mm -hmm. it takes a long time to rust. But you take it to yeah. a part of the country where there's a lot of humidity. I didn't even think about that. You and the moisture point. is wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. That speeds up oxidation. Yeah. So that's also a lesson to us in our beauty regimen, in the salon. You know, when you hear people say, well, is the blow dryer damaging? Well, it is. Just accept that that is an oxidizing process. So fundamentally, yes. Don't hide it from yourself thinking that you're... Uh, not doing damage, you are doing damage. Air gets dried. It's overly oxidizing. Yeah, I mean, you're just every you're drying the water, the yeah. H2O quickly. If you let it air dry, it would not have the you know the oxidation. When you ask me, for example, when does it go from oxygen right. to oxidation? I would tell you in general terms when there's a spark. Yeah, you don't see the spark, but it's when that little combustion occurs in chemistry. And the reaction, wherever it is, whether it's on metal, on your hair, on your skin, whatever material, physical material we have on this earth, it will oxidize. Yeah. It's our goal is to try to slow the process down on every level, whether it's hair, scalp, skin, food. Mm -hmm. It's everything. Yeah. Let's go into the change agent. Oh. Let's go into that. Because okay. I've been I've been dying to know more about that. I've obviously uh, read the presentation, I watch the videos, change everything that I've had to do because of that. So how do you feel the change agent has shaped and molded everything you do? You know, let's talk about that. Well, it's not even the change agent itself. What that was is that came out of my master's thesis. I had a goal of revolutionizing the educational system in the United States. Right. And the way I wanted to, I wanted to be part of a movement. And so, and when I tell you this, you're just not going to believe how this, that this radical thought is now so um, taken for granted. And that is, I wrote all, most of my papers about the, what I felt the influence and impact media was going to have on all education in the future. I still believe that teachers should be regarded not as the resource of information, but the facilitator of information. Mm -hmm. They should not even be expected to learn everything and then regurgitate it. Right. They need to, to learn along the way with the children and be part of the exploration, not necessarily be expected to understand every aspect of it. I feel that it's up to the researchers, those who feel that they have information to put it in such a way that these facilitators then can choose, which is our textbooks, right. our curriculums. So that's essentially what that is. Right. But I think we put too much responsibility on our teachers yeah. and blame them. Which it, it, in regard, they get terrified of giving wrong information. That, so they won't even talk about something. Yeah. Total oxidation management. 
in education. We've got many instructors that make it their whole curriculums build around it. Yeah. And you've got others that won't even talk about it because they're afraid that the student's going to ask them something. We want to release them from feeling any responsibility. The burden is, or, or your responsibility is to help motivate the learner yeah. to want to learn it and to make it available to them. Yes. If they don't get it, if they don't engage with it, then you need to determine at what level do you need them to, right. to pass a test. If it's going to be a question on a test, then it comes down to, well, let's at least get them to understand it to that point. Right. But, you know, my message in the, um, in the change yeah. is, is it's more than the process of change. It's more about stability because the whole purpose of change is to bring stability to an organization. Yeah. The difficult thing right now is with almost every company yeah. and almost every organization is there's so much change going on in our world. That I think those who have figured out the process of change are going to survive much faster and much easier than those who do not adjust well to change. But the goal is stability. Yeah. And that's where, you know, even at our highest level in our U.S. government here in the United States and really any government around the world, we're all trying to bring stability to our world. And yet we seem to thrive on change. Yeah. It seems to be part of our nature. So I think that if we can get back to striving to use change, and especially in an organization, uh, we need to be able to change, but the organization needs to have consistencies. It, it, the components are very simple. Process, and yeah. it starts with every organization starts based on techniques. It's something that you're doing. Whether it's a service, whether you're on the phone, it's a technique. You're doing something and you're being paid for it fundamentally. When you tie those techniques together, that's a process. A process is when you tie different things together. Now it's a whole process of mm -hmm. getting something done. So In the salon, it's a service. There's your service. I, yeah. I, uh, as far as prepping the hair, I, you know, did a crystal gel. I rinsed the hair. I shampoo with undo goo. Those are techniques. When you tie them together yeah. and do your service, you've got an entire service and you call that a color service yeah. and whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Then in every organization, once you know your techniques and your processes, you get to choose your approach. How do you want to spin it? How do you want it to look? What do you want to do with it? What do you, you know, that's the reason a salon can be a block. Two cell lines can be a block from one another, use exactly the same products yeah, okay. and have a different approach yeah. and be completely different. Well, you can have an avant-garde and a um, uh, traditional salon and then just down the street, a uh, barbershop. Yeah. You're all using potentially exactly the same products. Yeah. But your approach totally is unique. Yeah. And so you are different. Once you have all of those things in place, you can start defining your structure and you understand better um, how you can actually draw it. You're at a point where you can do an org chart. You can do a site plan. Everything can become physical. You can put the things on paper and step that means step you step. have a real organization. Yeah. A menu is structure, anything that exists and you can document. That's the structure. Yeah. So my message is, Understand and make it deliberate. 
when you're going to change something in an organization, are you changing the technique? Are you changing a process? It may affect some techniques. Are you changing the approach? Or are you changing the structure? And if you're changing the structure, that's revolution. Because you better think out. If you just go in and completely change, uh, you better already have predicted and understand the process that you know how is that going to affect the morale and the approach to what we have as a culture. And are these processes still going to be operating the same way? Did we think that out clearly? And the techniques, it can mess everything up in your organization. And that's how a lot of companies have uh, gone out of business. Yeah. Is they revolutionize without seeing, I mean, even in our current uh, politics and our government leadership, I think there's been a lot of decisions that have been made by changing structure without even realizing uh, the tariffs are a very good example. I don't think the uh, it was very clear and thought out as to, well, how's that ripple effect going to downline affect, you know, the farmers and, right. uh, and the manufacturers and the end user? I think it was just, we're going to do it. And whatever the fallout is, the fallout is. Now, many people respect that approach. And oftentimes that can work. And we'll see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that it's been a rough ride as a manufacturer. And to forecast, predict, uh, it's still unknown what the variables are. So that's an example of, of if you look at the world through the role of the change agent yeah, and treat yourself as a potential change agent. Every person, um, another word for a change agent is an influencer, yeah, but at a different aspect than just digital influence, you right. know, expressing my opinion, you can actually in any organization help influence change by doing it deliberately. And I think that's what I try to bring to organizations is better understand the process and do hold workshops where people are identifying and sounding them out together in team meetings so that they're setting their priorities and they know what's important, what my next priority is for change and how, how long realistically is that going to happen and what other things is it going to affect? Yeah, because it's basically what I took from it, it's almost like when I think of the presentation, it's almost like the, the bone of a body or almost like the foundation of a house. <laughs> and what it really helped me with was just really like quieting down all the other like useless things that I thought were super important mm. that were not, oh, you know, and, that's it helped good. Me, I'm glad. and it helped me organize step by step kind of what I needed to do to get the direction, which is a change, the direction that I wanted and get ultimately the outcome that I wanted out of a situation. Hmm. So that's what helped me. So how long have you been teaching that now? Well, I wrote the master's thesis in 1977. Wow. And so, it's still relevant until today. That's insane. It's still, unfortunately, it burned. Yeah, wow. So, thesis burned, but... There's nothing oh, similar. Well, everything, I, my presentations that came out of it is just one thesis. I never even thought about it being important. Yeah, yeah I just lived it by it. <laughs> it just became something I lived by is what it was. It was no different than the song. Yeah. I live my life the way I want to remember it. Right. It sort of kind of ties in yeah. that uh, I like to in. be deliberate and I needed, you know, and again, I, it may be my simple mind and, and I'm a... I'm probably as much a picture learner 
Mm-hmm. Probably more a picture learner because I need to conceptualize things very simply. And your point about it helped get rid of the clutter. I think that's what I needed. Yeah. Was to try to find the bones of because organization, understanding organizations was very important to me. Yeah. Um, you know, that was something that I wanted to uh, be able to. I wanted to work within organizations to be effective, to bring about change and development. You know, as I think I've said, I'm much better at developing yeah. than I am maintaining because yeah. I like I like to be part of the process. One of the biggest things that I learned from from you and this whole process too, and just from the changes too, everything you do, you do it with almost like an end goal in mind. You do it with purpose. So and going back to how do I how do I want to remember that outcome that I'm that I'm searching? If you have heard any of the prior episodes, going back to your uh, your wedding, going back to your graduation, going back to just these key moments in your life, it's almost like you thought about them prior, and you make decisions based on that. The changing is a perfect example. Of that. Mm-hmm. It's like what what is the outcome that I want out of the company, out of this person, out of me myself, and it's a hundred percent accountability it's like accountability for your actions and then cost and effect if you boil it down you just said it's the same thing it is cost and effect accountability preparedness preparing yourself which we've talked about before preparing yourself for having the opportunity it is you know what i mean to make sure that you get the outcome that you're wanting out of your life and you can control a lot more than what you can and that was one of the biggest things that i wanted to touch on right now in this very special episode that i wanted to to record with you today. So my next question, I'm going to pull it up because I want to make sure that I don't miss a single question that I had because these are really, oh. really important. So you've asked some very powerful questions. You're deep, right? Oh, and I just wait. So <laughs> my next question for you, Tom, is I've been dying to ask you this. What is your next step? What is next for Tom Porter? You've wrote a book. You have a global company. You have an unbelievable family gorgeous unbelievable wife like what's next what what's the next things that you want to do uh the most important thing now is what i spoke of earlier to ensure that our team as an esop uh, have a <laughs> the techniques the procedures the approach yeah. and the structure in place yeah. so that when i am no longer as available when i'm no longer as relevant when I no longer can contribute that they have all the tools in place to be able to not just operate, but soar. Yeah. And grow. And uh, yesterday I heard you mention uh, your passion about curriculum building and being able to lay out those structures so people can follow that. Do you think that's something that you're going to dabble in a little bit more creating curriculums and building some of that? I've been doing that forever. Yeah. Um, I am still uh, interested in pursuing that. I am very interested in a a curriculum that is more um, based on total oxidation management, bottom line. Yeah. It's that the curriculum itself is from a foundation that. Every uh, everything within the curriculum is based on that because it's it's fundamental. Yeah. So yes, I'm interested. Um, I do not think that 
I am going to lead the content development. And so that's where, you know, I've got to set priorities. And so if that occurs, it will be uh, fortunate for me because I want to do that. But will it generate money for the company? Maybe, maybe not. We already have a curriculum. It's a good, solid curriculum. Um, I'm still uh, trying to observe and understand what's happening because when we talk about curriculum, it's a curriculum for both, uh, yes, consumers that want to know more about our technology. That's something that is ongoing. That curriculum is being built and it's happening at the next level. I think what you're asking is more about the curriculum for professional, licensed professionals to, am I correct? Yeah, just curriculum this period, total oxidation management, curriculum, curriculum, like when you learn the 34 years of, like there's so much knowledge, there's so much information within this company that I know there's already a curriculum. My question is, are you going to like, create more of that so people can learn. And oh, yeah. more of that. We'll continue to generate more content. Good. And that's really what it's become. I think the word, you know, maybe I'm even, I need to abandon the word curriculum possibly uh, because it's really about content. Yeah. That's what the word is. So we're going to continue. You know what's happening though? What's so exciting is now consumers, but mostly licensed professionals, they're sharing with each other. They're educating each other. They're showing each other's before and after. That is really they cool are, to see. Well, it's everything. On social media platforms. Too. Social media yeah. is where it's happening. Yeah. People are realizing, oh my gosh, just with using total oxidation management, look what I can do. Yep. The magic that they're creating, the so, the solutions they're providing. Stories, all so, that. Yeah. you know, I think it's more about, uh, do we want more content? Yes. Am I going to be the resource for the content? Probably not. Yeah. So I think if if we wanted to go forward, if if we can see that the licensing of the professional cosmetologist and esthetician shifts and the information is sought from a different location and we choose to build a platform for that to help not only learn the trade, Fundamentally, that's what we're doing. We want right. you to learn the trade from a total oxidation management so perspective. Yeah. But ultimately also be able to pass any test in any state that would allow that licensed individual to practice the trade. Now, with the trends going uh, do away with licensing in states. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. I see, but I, I watched Europe. Uh, Europe has just as an arrogant exclusivity about hairdressers, even where they do not have license. Really? Absolutely. May and they're deeper. They're more committed to the industry than in our country, where we have so many booth renters and the industry is just fragmented. So yes, uh, there will be some kind of recognition that the consumers will want. Or that area will require, even though it may not be a cosmetology license, mm. there is a credibility. Everyone pretty much went to a school, went to a trade. Uh, I love the whole art of uh, working in the salon before you even uh, get out into the streets. You know, the problem is we can't do the same mentoring programs 
uh, the Department of Labor is requiring that if you're in there, you can't just observe. If you're working, you need to get paid. Yeah. There's no more volunteer and internships that are really legal. Yeah. But by hiring new entry level students that salons can train, I think what's happening to salons is they no longer trust that they'll stay. They, they train them. And then these individuals that are so wonderful go out and open their own uh, booth or uh, chair. And they lose them. Yeah. And I think that's something that could be, uh, that's a whole nother discussion that I think is very relevant yeah. and very interesting that because I do feel that that trend could change if the IRS decides to look at our industry and the individuals and ensure that they have business license, that they have their resale license, in addition to their cosmetology license. The truth is the cosmetology license may actually become less important than the resale license and the business license. Mm. And right now it's the cosmetology license and many of those cosmetologists and estheticians are not even reporting their taxes. Right. That's very true. And that leads to one of the questions that I was going to ask you is, so you've, you've been in this industry now 35, going on 35 years. Mm -hmm. You've seen so many things change. What are some of the things you think will happen in the next 10 years? What are some of the big changes that you can foresee already happening? Because You've been everywhere. You know, you you are global. You travel a lot. What are some things that you think will happen in the next 10 years in this industry? Well, I think one, uh, I don't know if it will happen, but I think there's a, a uh, need for the IRS to hold our industry accountable mm -hmm. so that we elevate, again, our level of standards. I I am concerned that what that will do in some respects is create more people going to chains and we will lose the creativity yeah. that we have gained from the independence. I would hope that we can help independents to realize how to be successful yeah. and be legitimate and create a viable business and build more salons organically, but realizing that that reminds me of a plumber. Yeah. That if the plumber is all in it by himself or herself because they want control, they want to come and go when they want to, they want to work when they want to, what they need to realize is as they get older, they don't make money unless they do the job. And what's the old phrase? Uh, work smarter, not harder. harder. Yeah. So I think that at some point, we all reach a, a, we may be incredible artists, but we do want more freedom to do what we do when we want to do it. Yeah. So I think that the individuals need to take a real hard look at their career path. And, and so in the next 10 years, I think that our industry is going to be uh, as professional salon industry. It's going to be a very viable service-based industry, but already the retail is secondary. Do you think licenses will be gone? I don't care. You don't care. I do. I mean, I care and it's I fight gonna, for the license. Really matter. I think that uh, what I see globally is there will still be standards set. So would I talk to the legislature and explain to them why I think licensing is important? Yes. 
So but, but I don't, it's not, I hear the sky is falling around that concept that, oh my gosh, we're doing away with licensing. What's going to happen to our industry? That is just not a reality. Gotcha. Yeah. The, well, that, that, that makes you feel better. You know what I'm saying? That helps me kind of understand a little bit. I didn't even know that other countries had already gone in that direction. No, it's they never got there. Okay. <laughs> they never went there. Okay. Many, many, yeah. most of them just never went there. So what do you think about product? What do you think is going to happen with product? Because that has changed dramatically over the, like going to the past. Diversion is a huge thing. I mean, that was something that you've been battling forever. What do you think will happen in the future now with product and manufacturers and all that? The concept of diversion doesn't even exist anymore. It was said to me by uh, an educator that I have high respects for when I asked him, how is it that you are uh, you use Redken color mm -hmm. and yet just one block away from your salon is a grocery store with Redken on the same products on the shelves right. that you're selling in the salon? Right. And he looked at me and almost with an inquisitive eye saying, ever since... I've been big, big enough to walk into the grocery store. When my mom took me into the grocery store, Redken was on the shelf. So that's not abnormal for me. And all of a sudden I realized that diversion is an old concept. I have heard stories of you though. And I'm, I might be getting, I might be getting diversion mixed up with maybe no. Having reliable manufacturers because no, I think I'm getting it right. I'm the I have I've, been fighting. I've heard stories of, of you fighting, and I've heard stories of you even flying I'm still out fighting it to other countries. I just returned from one. I was going to say, and and going and in there physically yourself and saying unacceptable and taking we, product back. We actually think about that. We it's actually crazy. put GPS devices on many of our pallets that leave here. We want to watch to see exactly where it really goes mm. because we have found that some distributors who have unfortunately established trusting relationships with us, we have learned that we cannot trust them. And, and we, it, it is uh, unfortunate that it messes up the channels of distribution, but it has more to do with the line. We have a deliberate uh, perspective and we need the salon. We want the salon. The salon needs us. It doesn't mean that our products cannot be available somewhere else. Unfortunately, it was the salon owners and, and the professionals that actually were the first diverters. They're the ones that would go into a wholesale store. Take the easy way out. Buy the product whenever they got an order online. A lot of husbands in garages okay. because the wife could buy it at half the cost. They would think that by make the time they profit they make it. a little bit, if they could make 10 or 15%, they made money. Uh, wow. And so we started there. We found a garage here in the state of Indiana when we tracked where the address was and we sent someone to that location as an investigator. And sure enough. What do you do in that case? You tell them to take it down? We cut the you? head off the snake. We go to whoever's selling it to them and explain, uh, you told us this isn't the channel of distribution that you would be making our products available to. 
and then you don't provide them with any more products. We did. It was the distributor that was selling to them without even realizing it. Got it. And then what do you do with that relationship? You just end it. You move on. We don't. No, we we worked we worked to try to. I think most of our distributors are even more adamant than we are the importance of protecting brands and the integrity. But I think most of them are doing it on marketing. Their product really doesn't need to be in the salon or not in the salon. It's a marketing ploy. For us, our technology does, when you really have a serious problem, or if you're doing any service on the hair, especially in the salon, you need heat. You need the proper application of our products to prepare that hair to be sure that you're getting the very best results that it's going to last the longest it can. And if then we're going to try to remove it again, we need the heat. We need the tools. So we need the salon. Right. And the salon needs us. So we'll never not be a salon brand. Right. Uh, right. It doesn't mean that we're any longer going to expect the salon to retail all of our products because what we learned is, first of all, most of them don't even have the money to be able to just hold products available for whoever comes in the door and asks for and sell to sell a product. It's just it's it's difficult to manage that retail process and every client now wants something else. A lot of people don't realize too that products have shelf life. And a lot of the probably a lot of the processes, we gotta get this out before a product goes bad, which Shelf life is pretty long. It is long. It is long. A lot longer than it is long. Thing. Yeah. um, So, one of the other biggest questions that I had for you was, um, I have really two big more questions for you left for this session. So, I'm going to start with this one, which was, you are such a busy guy. I mean, you literally have traveled everywhere. There's a Malibu Sea Academy in Greece. You have been literally places fighting diversion you bounce between indiana which is where we're here right now and malibu california what are your big like what is your biggest advice to all the people that's watching all of us how do you keep yourself organized you know what are your biggest like biggest like pointers tips that you trust can give? yourself okay trust yourself all right trust yourself trust yourself that you either can respond in the situation appropriately, understanding what your purpose is, or you can get clarity to try to understand the situation you're in so that you can then trust yourself to make the right decision. And it goes back to all the other things we just talked about. Live your life the way you want to remember it. Uh, Cause and effect. Uh, I see, you know, I, I, I don't mind the change process. So I guess traveling is something that it's changed, yeah, constantly changed. So, I mean, you're, it's, it's, but I will say, as I am, uh, as I become older, I just and just recently I saw. I think I'm beginning to realize that I may not be as good of a multitasker as I once was. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that I. Uh, have become more deliberate to realize, and maybe because, as we've mentioned, the fire, it threw so many variables on me over the last year or during some of the most accelerated growth in the company. So I think that it's made me aware of overload potentials and how important it is to uh, fortunately rely on others who are capable to make decisions 
and not put myself in a position yeah. if I don't need to be involved in that decision and there are people who I trust, then it's a trust issue. Trust yeah. yourself and trust others around you. Okay. That's good advice. So in the last episode that we recorded, we actually discussed we that we were going to go back to signs. I don't know if you remember that, that we talked about like some huge signs that you've had in your life. And it really hit home with me when you were talking about the sign of walking into what is now, you know, Malibu C headquarters and seeing the apron of Dr. Keith. All <laughs> it deletes all the apron that he yeah. saw. So what have you had any other signs? And then I want to share a sign that I had with you. Was there any other signs in your life that you can, that you can share with us that have helped you kind of give you a little bit of like peace or this is the direction we should go. Have any other that you can remember? Constantly. Yeah. My life. I, I use the word indicators. Okay. And I operate on indicators. I receive um, signs constantly. So, you know, the most recent that I think about uh, was actually a sign on our new home where uh, we decided not to rebuild, which was exactly what we had intended to do. Uh, we had a beautiful contemporary home that had been uh, completely uh, renovated, yeah. everything new. It was just great. You Perfect. could see the ocean. What you we dreamed were, as a child. Yeah, it was probably part of that bank, yeah. uh, that movie, Beach yeah. Blanket Bingo kind of yeah. scene. And uh, I, unfortunately, we lost it in the fire. So then we are designing and have designed the new facility, the new home that's going to be very Malibu modern. And when I realized that probably we would be just as uh, financially just as sound or better off if we just go buy another house and sell that land and not go through the process of rebuilding yeah. because uh, we're still developing and building a company and have other priorities. And when we drove into a driveway and saw this experience, that's what we saw. We saw signs all around us, but walking down next to this very nice rippling waterfall, just a small waterfall. And I looked over where the yoga platform, this little yoga platform, I mean, it's yeah. there for me to get calm and Deb to just focus, just oh, to focus yeah. and looked at the magnolia tree. And there was this bright flower that had just recently bloomed mm -hmm. and Deb loves magnolias. And I was with the realtor and I said, watch this. You see that flower? When we call Deb down here to just look at this, you watch and see. If she sees that flower, she's going to say, this is a sign. This is an indicator. That's so cool. Well, I looked up and said, honey, come here. I want to show you this platform. Oh, your wife. And she came down the steps and... Daniel was there standing with me and she looked and she's admiring and she looks over and she looks up and she saw that flower and she said, guys, this is the message. This is the house. 
That's so cool. So we're constantly operating out of signs. That's so cool. Uh, we we feel that um, living in this universe, uh, if you pay attention and you get as connected as you can, mm -hmm. and, and that has a lot to do with trying to be calm and in balance as much yeah. as we can. I have found that that actually, when you when you think of how the universe works and how life works, you can automatically like think, oh, that's not true. Like science don't really matter. And I have learned, if anything that I've learned intensely over the past year is that trust your gut and science really do matter. It's something in our brain that we probably already have in their wire. Then when we see it, you're like, okay, this is truly what I want. And this is really where I should go with. Hmm. But I wanted to share a sign that I had with you. And oh. that's what we're going to close with today. So we talked about all the signs that you've had and how that still plays a role. Okay. So a couple, you know, I've, I've mentioned probably in the first episode, I mentioned that I've, how long I wanted to meet you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I came this summer. So when, when I came to the, the first time I came here to the Malibu headquarters to talk about product and development and all that, um, two months prior to that, I had a young lady that used to work with me that now is a part of the team. And she had mentioned kind of because she knew that my one of my dreams was to eventually build a product line mm -hmm. and she was basically saying you really need a good mentor you really need a good mentor and obviously i knew about you and in the whole process i've always thought i remember that day prior it's like i really just need someone that can help give me a little bit of guidance and can give me a little bit of their story mm -hmm. kid you not I get emotional talking about it. So uh, I walk in here after I had no even no idea that you were really so active with the company. No idea of that. And I remember walking in to just talk about product with Malibu C, the company. Mm -hmm. Didn't even know you were active, like I said. And I just saw the picture of you in that magazine. And I picked it up. And I remember saying, I hope to meet you one day. And I got it on camera. I oh showed my you that. gosh. Yeah. Yes, and I said, fun. I hope to meet you one day. And I was like, this is Tom Porter. He's the founder. I hope to meet him one day because I've looked up to you forever. And I remember leaving from there and talking to my wife. like, if I could only talk to Tom, if I could only pick his brain and understand what he's gone through and just learn more about his story, that would be life changing for me. And now we're doing this and th that moment for me was a huge sign that what i was really looking for at that moment wasn't the product line the universe got me in the direction of you it was i was looking for a mentor i was looking for you and it connected me to you well i feel blessed that's Isn't a really that great story i appreciate that we were drawn yeah. together because you have been a gift yeah allowing me especially following the fire and so much of the, this unique timing, probably reflecting, which is what you have given me the opportunity to do through these series of podcasts, yeah. have helped me see it from a little more objective perspective and has probably been very helpful to my healing, to my going forward. That's and awesome. so it's nice that we can uh, be a gift to one another. Oh, my gosh. It's been if like the the moment I met you, because I was like, I was terrified that when I was getting ready to meet you, I was like, 
Like, <laughs> I hope he likes me. You know, like, I, we were like, you know, all the things that go yeah. through your mind when you're getting ready. We to way overthought you. that, didn't we? I, oh my gosh, so much. And how the sparks just flew. And I was like, our energy is so insane, you know? And I was, and all I could keep going back to was the image of me holding that, the magazine with your picture on it and telling my wife, like, wow if I could just get a moment with him. Oh, and now well, we've created- nice. We've had the, great moments. We've had amazing moments and we've been able to capture them for you guys to see and for you guys to learn. So on that note, Tom, thank you so much for this episode. Thank you for this journey. Um, this is Edwin, Tom Porter. Thank you guys for watching. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. So until then, be well. Bye guys, be well. <laughs>